I'm a fucking prima donna. Nothing happened. I could I just couldn't see the waveform because I had the So it was, it was a iPhone. Nothing. Hello and welcome to Idiots with Instruments, the show that follows Red Hot Rebellion as we write and record our new album from start to finish while interviewing pro musicians, producers, and songwriters of all genres to gain insight into their own unique creative process. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. I am Jim Tramontana, bassist and lead vocalist of Red Hot Rebellion. I'm Doug Spencer. I play guitar and I am the least important vocal. I am Andrus Devine. I play the drums and I sing occasionally. You do. And you have the voice of an angel. You do. That's what I'm told. Yeah. I disagree. But I don't know. I've never ho- heard uh, an angel speak. you never speak. heard an angel sing? Yeah. Is it never. because you are I worship the it. devil? <laughs> no. You are a devil worshiper. Is that why? Nope. No, I am up. Contrary to popular belief, I am not a Satanist. Oh, good. Well, hmm. okay, great. Yeah. And now it's time for awkwardness. No, we're not going to do awkwardness <laughs> with Andres. I think we just yeah. did that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we still have the two songs in the works, uh, Sweaty Betty and what the one we were calling Holding It Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've, uh, they are getting tighter, I would say, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're uh, absolutely we're close to locking in. I think we have locked the final arrangement. Well, not the final arrangement, but a very workable arrangement. The for now arrangement. Yep. Yeah. So the next stage is I need to write some fucking lyrics and melodies, and Doug has to work on his uh, solos. solos. Yeah. yeah. Some licks. Some more. Uh, some tasty licks. Fills. That's true. Yes. Guitar fills. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. I Which guess I've so been doing that kind of. So yeah. um for. Are you like I know a lot of times you experiment a lot in the studio with your guitar solos. Do you seem to do better when you have it pre-planned? Like you play the same thing every time or what? Like uh, you know what's I don't think there's any I was thinking about that today. Yeah. Cuz I was working on one of these tunes and uh I was thinking I don't know if I've ever really I've tried to plan right. but it never works out. Right, so you can only plan so much. Yeah, and then it the seems moment, like in the moment it just yeah, it's all gone. It's uh, just it's not, it's different. Right. Yeah. Which I think maybe for the last couple, whatever the last song we did or a couple songs we did with um with Chris and he put me in front of my amp Crushing and it, had the so. um yeah the the, yeah. Crush, the the three singles whatever yeah um when we were recording it live in the studio with uh my own pa system (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and no headphones because i'm a fucking prima donna yeah um you're wearing them now and you look totally hates it he has headphones on now he's he's got he's very uncomfortable have you ever seen like when somebody puts uh, like a cat like uh, a a hat on a cat cat or shoes on a dog yeah exactly it's exactly exactly what it is i was so yeah i I threw the headphones down like five minutes ago yeah yeah he is very pissy today ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i'm a a little tired and i'm a little grumpy yeah but to answer your question um what i'm planning to do with this album is to step up my game yeah so i was working on um some fills today because we were talking about how andres wrote drums to the guitar licks that i was doing yeah right but i hated the guitar licks i was doing so 
Now. After he had composed the drum parts, I was like, oh, that's way cooler than what I'm doing. So I need to clean up what I'm doing to go to be tighter with what he's doing. Right. So I rewrote that shit and then um, worked on the chorus section in um, holding it down mm -hmm. today and then uh, was able to capture that tonight on our uh, rough right practice whatever thing yeah. we were doing so right which we're um we're gonna uh, play for you right now <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> Man, was that great. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Well, what, where I was going with all that shit was that um, I'd kind of like to do that with solos, too, to a certain extent. Try, oh. try to do something like yeah, yeah. that. Like map them out. <clears throat> yeah, map them out. Um, yeah. I'm uh, gonna, I, I'm, I've spent a little bit of money. I haven't gotten the shit yet, but I'm going to try and do some pro shit with mapping yeah. stuff out hell yeah so that's you're great you're getting the irig hd pro i'm getting the hd pro right okay. I, and actually it's these fucking same headphones <laughs> it's, it's so what those come with it oh well I, i'm buying headphones okay and i'm talking the mic i'm buying you got your there's mouth a, there's has, a slight difference you have to put your mouth fuck because in, in my in my cans right now it yeah. sounds like it's i'm screaming i know it no matter where my mouth is, you can but definitely hear us. a difference. Fuck, not for us. Um, you, you see how like me and me and Andres are kind of like just right. right in front of the mic the whole time, mm-hmm. uncomfortably. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how you know. have to. Be. Yeah, this doesn't feel natural Maybe. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tonight's not the night to work on his mic skills because he's he's in a mood. Yep. Well, tell us tell us more about what you what you're planning there, Dougie. Or yeah. Or we, is the moment gone? No, it's fine. I already told you guys to go get fucked earlier. So. <laughs> Which is odd for him. <laughs> he really is not the, you. the the um, the cranky one. Mostly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most of the time, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, I'm telling you guys to fuck yeah, off. Like, <laughs> I'm having a good time tonight. You're like, Jimmy, what's wrong? <laughs> You're like, I can't deal with this right now. This <laughs> shit's <laughs> <It's> fucked. <laughs> yeah. Right, so my hopes my hopes are that with the uh, with the HD Thelio, and I bought some nice headphones to try yeah. and do some tracking, and I'm gonna try and do that all through uh, GarageBand or something simple like that, so right. that I can work on it. And then if I have, I'm hoping I can have basically all my pre production done for like what i did you know practice and shit have it all mapped out and at least i'll have that as like okay this is the this is a template this is a reference yeah and i'll my main goal through all of this is to have shit organized to a certain extent because right now i have no organization all right i just have riffs and licks and just tons of shit and i don't know where anything is so if you said oh yeah do you have some cool shit i'd be like sure but i gotta find it and right right it, and then yeah, i would yeah. be really frustrated and i'd be fucking getting even more pissed mm-hmm. right because you couldn't well that's right because that because that, yeah. it's all back on me because right no i i right. know exactly what you're talking about because fucking computers again like i have Mm -hmm. files everywhere i have no idea where any of them are even though i name folders and shit i have files on on like thumb drives and in dropbox and on like six different hard drives that are attached to my main computer then another fucking laptop then you know this laptop so right exactly i think if one if you can you can crack this egg i think you just have to keep all your files in the same place you i have like so many music fucking files. files though but like get get a huge i've got all my shit in the same place too right but when i look at it it's just it's right it's all bullshit. it's very overwhelming because i'm like okay well which is what and even if i have like a pile of i went as far to put um we need a system we well need a, right i need well, to figure no. out a fucking system but what i did was i went as far to like put all i went through a bunch of shit and put the good ones that i liked in one one folder and was like okay so at least they're there yeah. right but then i still have to go through all that fucking shit right to right. try to find w- the cream of the crop right. so with with the irig or whatever is that what it is right 
It the iRig is just an interface. Right, right. But are you able to record clips through that and then name them? Yes. Because that was one of your big issues with the previous. Well, stuff right. Done, and right? well, in the iRig, yeah. primarily yeah. the the cool thing about that and what I'm hoping is um, when I was watching some YouTube vids on uh, fuckers using it was it comes with all that amplitude software like what Jimmy has on his thing, which right. is decent sounding shit. So I don't need to be mic'd up. I don't need to be fucking right. loud. Right. I can do that shit anytime. Yeah, so if yeah. I'm like, okay, like I'll, or whatever. if I want to work on this song, I can do that. And then I can use, you know, the garage band import it to that to put, you know, the clicks or something with it. So I could actually right. probably even sketch out shit to see if it's going to be what I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. So this that is a stuff. huge step, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, like after the last couple of weeks of talking about stuff and talking to other people, that was like one of right. the, the re- reoccurring themes was like, be fucking prepared, which we've always known. That. Right. But right. what can I do? In my world, to actually be prepared, because right. what I'm doing just really frustrates me. Okay, and you got to make ta- it easy for yourself. I, I want to be, yeah, I want it to be easy. Yeah, yeah. But I also, um, yeah, I'm willing to explore. Right. Right. New yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, the way I, I know exactly where you're coming from, and I, in my mind, in my own inner monologue, I always talk about to my own self. You're helping future Jimmy by doing this now. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that guy, you don't want pissed off. I don't want to <laughs> piss him off. <laughs> yeah. So me like trying to cobble things together and, and set things up, I may not touch it for two weeks, but that guy is really going to appreciate it when he can just sit down and get the fucking work. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. So now Doug is helping future Doug, which is helping future Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, right. that's good. Right. Joining us today is a man who is synonymous with the rock, ska, and punk scene in Central Florida during the 90s and 2000s and beyond, who first made his mark on the alternative rock scene by working with legendary artists like Smashing Pumpkins, and a man who has had the great pleasure of recording four of my former bands. He is also one hell of a keyboard player and a nice fella. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Mark Ignafo. Mark, how you doing? Well, hello, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> it's, thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us today on Idiots with Instruments, Mark. Um, we Absolutely. Ju- we, um, we, got, we have a series of questions for you about your life and times uh, in the trenches as a recording engineer and producer and as a man of music and mystery. So I guess, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the, the recording arts? Let's start there. How did you get started? Well, sure. We start, well, I went back, uh, we're going to go into Chicago, of course, where I'm from. Yeah. And in 1982, graduated from uh, Columbia, where they had a sound engineering program back there. And it was uh, basically just a one-year course back then. There, there weren't too many places to go. I think there was one in Chillicothe, Ohio, and something else out in hmm. uh, out in L.A., hmm. and that was the only option. So they had this program there, and I was lucky to learn uh electronics and things like that from the professor there who is Malcolm Chisholm who was a great engineer at Chess Studios which is a legendary oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. recording yeah. studio yeah and wow. he was my instructor so it was uh it was wow. really cool he was a bit a bit eccentric <laughs> um but extremely knowledgeable yeah tell us so, a little about his eccentricities if you don't mind <laughs> uh, just the way he taught class i oh, mean okay. he just was a no bs guy you know, he would just uh, 
one of his uh, one of my favorite quotes is when he would get uh let's say slightly perturbed not at a student but over you know when he was describing stories right he just he would just kind of lean back in his chair and go oh my heart bleeds lukewarm piss and lager beer for you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my kind of fellow. I've never heard yeah. that never heard that yeah. one before sounds yeah. like a great instructor yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> no he was he he was he was phenomenal so uh let's see going from there after graduating it's uh, kind of like it is today where you graduate and of course there's nowhere to intern right it's just yeah <laughs> even back then you know in the in the early to mid 80s so i started buying equipment and at that point just have friends bands come over and just to kind of get some experience and practice with them and kind of just kept buying some more stuff and working you know two jobs and then buying right. more stuff you know, and was that a, st- a studio in your home? Is that what, what it was? You were at a home? Or did you have like a, um, a space, space that nope. you were building? No, couldn't afford a space back then. It was just in the, actually in the basement of the house I grew up in. Wow. And hmm. uh, set it up in there and just built a separate partition wall for the control room, which was uh, a bit cramped. I think you'd get maybe four people in there. Hmm. Uh, but like I said, it was in, it was in a basement. And, then, and uh, so you got the four after, track there, and you were and you were tracking bands, and okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started with the four track, and that lasted about three months. I said I can't deal with this, and <laughs> I got an eight track. <laughs> oh, nice! And uh, and that lasted for a while, and then finally in '86 is when I made my first major investment and picked up the one inch uh, tape machine and a, a nice Amec console, and said, mm. "Okay, I got to make some money now because I spent a bunch." <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did um so and, did you uh, save up for that or was that like did you take out loans for that or sell sell uh, a kidney? A combination, yeah. I mean, I had, <laughs> I had some to put down and the rest is like, hey, you know, time to get a loan, right. which uh, had to be collateralized and everything, of course, because yeah. as a new new startup, it was like eh, we're not going to lend you money. What do you have that we can take from you? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so that was the big uh, the big start there, and that was in '86, and. I was already getting a lot of uh, word of mouth referrals at that point, so it was it was kind of cool. And um, like I said, I was working, so I had you know was making enough money to to make payments no matter what. And I had uh, a full time and a part time job, other fun stuff. I did real cool things like dyeing shoes for weddings. Doesn't that sound fascinating? Whoa, that wow. actually does yeah. sound kind of fascinating. Like what? <laughs> what did you tell us more about that, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> Oh sure, I'm sure you're really interested in that. But anyway, no, we yeah, that, this is actually yeah, a recurring I, theme. Uh, Andres, our drummer, is very interested in what people do for work outside uh, yeah. of music. Yeah, because most of oh. most of our listeners are like part-time musicians, right. or aspiring, so, or semi-pro. What the hell do you do sure. for money? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> other than music, until music can hopefully take over. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's really what I did. I, I, I dyed shoes for weddings. You know, women would bring in little swatches, little samples of their dress, and I sat there with the dyes and mixed mm. the colors. And nice. Yeah, fascinating work. But, you know, hey, it was it was actually pretty easy. Um, so that was kind of fun. And I also worked at another store uh, in a kiosk in the mall uh, just selling stuff. And I knew the girl that worked there, and she said, well, we could use some extra help. I said, okay. Mm. And eventually became the uh, the manager of that store nice. uh, for nice. the last yeah. yeah for the last year it was there right. and uh were you selling you fidget know. spinners <laughs> no they didn't have them back then I know. We were, 
We were selling leather belts. We'd custom make leather belts on the scene. You know, people would they'd pick cool. out a pattern of a of a belt. And we'd cut them to size, and hmm. that was uh, one of the things we did. And we sold concert shirts and sunglasses, whatever was popular at the time. Cool, oh. nice. So like oh, bootleg like concert shirts, not like the the, the stuff you get outside, uh, not inside. <laughs> Yeah, the, the ones that uh, you can probably wash twice, you know. In the- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's you awesome. know, the real fine quality from whatever country that you can't pronounce wherever they were made. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So, wow. So, you're working two jobs and you're doing your studio on the, on, on the side, uh, building up word of mouth. And then, um, yeah, so it's, take us from there, their own. Okay, so after a couple of years uh, doing that and doing more studio, less work at the other place. Um, the, the job I was managing, they actually uh, ended up. I'm still speak with the guy who owned the company. It's really funny. We just connected on Facebook like a couple of years ago. Real That's nice guy. Cool. But uh, what I did was at that point, that job kind of went away just because he couldn't release the space in there for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, they had limitations with the, the center kiosk, they weren't permanent. Mm-hmm. So okay. it just allowed me more time to mm-hmm. do recording, and I could always work my schedule. Uh, at the shoe stores um, to where I could go in whenever I wanted to, which was nice. Was like, you know, my work was always done. I could go in there and knock them out and do it. And it was actually three different stores for the same company, which was kind of cool. Yeah. So it was just like a bounce around and, you know, and do that thing. So I could work awesome. my own schedule, which made it really, really um, convenient. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of years went by and uh, I know you want to get to the Smashing Pumpkins, even though I said I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, we would we no, probably press you. So. <laughs> no, no. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was around the end of 88 or beginning of 89 when I had met Billy. And uh, it was just a casual thing. friend told me about him, went into the store he was working at over at the Record Hunt, and just uh, got to meet him. And like I said, it wasn't too long after that. We actually started recording. That's cool. Yeah. So that was, that was, you know, but they were just another band trying to get signed like anyone else. Right. It, was, it wasn't like uh, they had a deal going. In fact, they had a guy come in to produce a couple songs with them. Uh, he worked with EMI Records and uh, cut a couple songs, and he passed on them, which I think he's huh. probably yeah. <laughs> real happy about now. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Well, but you never know. The, the, yeah. the, the Beatles were passed on initially. Right. They were told they yeah. had no talent. You know, right. So. Yeah. right. Everyone passes on Red Hot Rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> right. But well, but see, they're making there. a mistake. Yeah, but they're totally when you guys get huge, That's I'm right. going to say, hey, mm-hmm. I recorded them in the four bands prior to that. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that was, yeah. that was actually one of my questions I wanted uh, to get to um, was about working with uh, external producers. Because I know like when you're kind of a... Um, a one man show in your own small studio. You're usually like the engineer, the producer, the um, you know the mix engineer. All of that rolled into one. So was that right. with the that guy from EMI? Was he like the first like uh, actual out external record producer that you worked with? And and what was that experience like? It, yeah, well, I didn't really. I mean, he he just came in to, to kind of be there for the two songs he kind of made the calls of what he wanted you know he said hey let's bring the vocals down a little bit or this or that whatever it happened to be mm. um so but that's the first time it was an actual real producer um that i actually worked with mm. and uh, i mean it, it was pretty low-key really uh, he was a pretty laid-back guy but you know otherwise it was just bands coming in and i would just work with them and try to get the sounds that they were looking for and like i said in the very beginning in the early 80s i was still kind of like just figuring it out and it wasn't even a guaranteed career path until I made the big 
jump in 86. Right. And is that when you, so that's when, you went to Florida, Ormond Beach? Or? Well, I moved there, and that was in 1990. I moved to Florida. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a couple of years in between, and I uh, started the place I had uh, where you recorded at over on Carswell, and that was in Holly Hill. Beautiful Holly scenic Hill. Holly Hill. That's right, Holly Hill. I, for some reason, I thought it was Ormond Beach. Um, I have a terrible That's memory. That's where you're at now. That's right. Okay. Correct. Yeah, so, Holly Hill. So, yep. So, we had the the place there, and uh, I... I if you, I don't know when uh, I met you exactly, but when mm-hmm. I came in town, I decided, well, people got to know I'm here. And we had the wonderful Jam Magazine, of course, that Daryl and Sue Masteroni right. uh, had going. And yep. it was just a huge, huge thing uh, for the local music scene, concentrating only on local artists, which was great. And I got to meet, uh, well, this guy named Andy Wigner, who was a sales guy for them, and he came over and talked with me, and I'm like, well, this seems like it's pretty good. Now, how do I make some noise? And when everybody was running business card ads, I decided, well, let's see what half-page ads will do. And kind of all of a sudden, you know, you can tell when a client is calling you and when your competition is scouting you to see what you have. (laughs) Because you can, by the questions they ask, you know. Most of the bands I recorded say, so what kind of console do you have? What kind of microphone? What kind of this? Right. And so you could always tell when it was uh, your competition. And I gladly gave them all the information I had. But um, hmm. Jam was great for building up my business. And we pulled a lot of Orlando bands into yeah. the Daytona area. I actually was curious what happened in those four years from 86 to 90 <laughs> that made you want to move specifically to Florida. Yeah. Ah, well, I can answer that very simple. It is very cold in Chicago in the winter. <laughs> yeah. I do not, I'm actually I do not from like Milwaukee. Cold weather. <laughs> yeah, right. That's fair. Yeah, Anders, you're yeah, from Milwaukee, just, right? Yeah. So it was, yeah. You know, it was, it was, you know, you get those, those cold winds coming through, and that was the worst part. You know, being cold is one thing. Oh, yeah. But when you get 25, 30 mile an hour winds, it just rips right through oh, you. Yeah. And I just could not wait to get out of that. <laughs> and I'd vacation to this area near Daytona okay. since I was five years old. So. My wife and I liked the area and decided, you know, let's go ahead and do this. We're young enough to where if it doesn't work, then we can always do something else. I wasn't going back to Chicago. Uh, <laughs> right. But luckily, it, it all worked out. And uh, so I was you know, quite busy for many, many, many years and uh, got to the point where it was too busy for many, many, many years. And hmm. it's like, well, I got to go home once in a while. You know, I can't keep living here. Cause <laughs> right. they, they were long weeks you know, 60, 70 hour weeks. And it was fun. But after a while, it was like, oh, okay, I got to slow down here. Yeah. yeah where's that? Um, between, did, now, between 86 yeah. and 90, as you were saying, it was just recording uh, up there, but I could only go so far with it working in a house, you know, um, yeah. in the city of Chicago, you have brick bungalows, which you have little gangways, little walkways in between the houses. And at the closest point, you can pretty much touch both houses. So couldn't work real late at night and, you know, right. respect to the, the neighbors and everything. So uh, right. it just became really limiting. And that was another part of the decision to, to make the move to get into a commercial location because it was just way too expensive up there, real estate, um, to find anything. Yeah, okay. Wow, that's hmm. fair. Hmm. So then you started so Real Time Studio in uh, Holly Hill, <laughs> not yes. Ormond Beach. Beautiful scenic Holly Hill. You must yeah. say it that way. Beautiful. Yeah. The people. Yeah. <laughs> and like, scenic, it, um, get upset. It was like an across. I remember there was a commercial district, and there were like it looked like airplane silos and stuff. There were like uh, machine shops and stuff. You were definitely yep. in a 
in a um, an yep. industrial area. Exactly. Um, it, they were Quonset huts, actually. They're like military-style huts. Yeah. And uh, there was a, an auto repair place over there, and a couple other you know little shops. But um, yeah, so that was uh, the place I found, and the building I had found there was it was like Fort Knox because it was just a big concrete block building with two steel doors, and it was perfect. It formerly was a costume jewelry warehouse, so it was very secure, which was really important because you really don't want a bunch of windows when it comes to the studio type thing. Right. Mm -hmm. For both sound and security, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. So, So, yeah. So that's where I ended up for quite some time. And you were like the go-to guy for, for, for many years, for especially Orlando bands and most of Central Florida. Like Everyone was like, go to, you got to go to real time, got to go to real time. And, and that's where I went many times, including with the illustrious band Alias Clark featuring Adam the Woo, the YouTube hero, on bass guitar. Yes, mm. <laughs> absolutely. Mm. Yes. So, and those were no, good times. Was, they were good times. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Yes, I still have. Uh, I think I still have one of those uh, CD covers for the uh, for the couple that did that recording, the good times. But, nice. Uh, yeah. I will have to find it, and if I can, I will post it on Facebook for you. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Nice. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. Even I have one of those those things laying around. But um, yeah, I don't. I, you know, cleaning house between all the moves and different going to different places and scaling down. So I'm not sure right. I have one either. But if I do, uh, you will be the proud recipient of being able to view it. How's that? <laughs> that sounds, sounds wonderful. So, and then you had a couple different studios working out of there as well, right? So you had like a, like a studio A and like a studio B and you started using uh, external engineers as well. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I had Tom that worked with me for a long time right. and he worked up in the front and he did the mastering and he did a lot of stuff like uh, transfers. People would, you know, have a home recording cassette of an uh, interview with a family member and, you know, he would take that and put it on CD, that type of stuff. So he ran that room, and I had another guy, Chris, who ran more of a MIDI production room, and he ended up taking over a lot of the uh, the rap and the hip hop clients. And mm-hmm. uh, so he would work in in that room separate. So yeah, we had we had really three rooms, but only one big tracking studio, and it wasn't all that big. But right, and so it was, you were basically a one stop shop. Right. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That sounds great. Yep. Yeah, you go in there, you record. Um, you, um, Mark for for us, he would mix and yeah. then kick it to Tom for mastering, and yeah. then it would be, hmm. you know, whether you want analog or digital. Ma- I think no, was it all digital though? Is he doing digital mastering or both? You would, yes. you, you could do. Yep. Yeah, he had one of the first workstations. Um, yeah. And I don't remember what type of computer it was, what the system he had, but yeah. it was quite expensive. Yeah, it looked and very so complicated. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Like, that it was. Yeah. I remember um, one session, I forget what band, it was uh, something that you engineered, and then you're like, all right, we're done. You, you Here, take over and mix. And I'm like, I don't know how to run this goddamn board. And you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> all right. And then you're like, fuck it, I'm going to start mixing this thing. And it came out great, but I'm sure. Nice. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this: like, so it's um, with the the tape. Did you ever go full digital, um, or was it always on tape when you were still um, recording bands? Like, what changes um, did you see over the years, like um, moving from era to era? Because now you know everyone records in Logic and Pro Tools, and sometimes quarter inch tape, but it's getting rare these days. It is. Um, I do actually do a lot of transfers from uh, old reel-to-reels. People bring them in. They want to have them put into either. 
onto the computer format or to right. a CD, depending on what they're looking to do. But, yeah, for a long time, I, I kind of resisted it at first, although I did have ADAT machines for a while, which actually I still have some of those. Um, and I've done a few transfers for people just dumping tracks over. But uh, So it was mostly analog. But, you know, tape was expensive, so a lot of the bands, they liked going to ADAT because you could get 24 tracks, and right. it was pretty inexpensive tape-wise. So I did that for a while as well. And now, of course, I'm on Pro Tools. I've uh, been using that for a while. Right, and I have a studio at my house. Which, okay, uh, that's where I record with my son, and then I have <clears throat> the studio, and I have you know run Pro Tools up there as well. Yeah, that was a. Um, I'm glad you mentioned your son because he's a musician, and I wanted to to ask if you were the one who recorded him, and what's that like working with a family member, and like how much, um, like are you. Is there any... How much do I get paid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bummer. <laughs> Terrible gig. <laughs> yeah, no, so there's it's, no it's ROI awesome. either. Is it, yeah, so are, do you guys write together? Are you writing songs together, or is you just kind of engineering what he, he's coming up with? And... Everything up to this point is stuff that he has written, that we have worked together. Um, I'll throw in production ideas and, and different things like that. He lets me do pretty much all the mixing. You know, we'll sit together, mm -hmm. but he kind of lets me take the reins there when it comes to um, putting the stuff together, and I'll throw ideas at him. And sometimes, you know, some certain things he's like, nah, I don't know about that. And other times uh, he's like, oh, that's brilliant. And I was like, yeah, I know. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is pro shit, yeah. son. Yeah. <laughs> no, so he, he's done all that, although we're going to start working on some stuff, uh, some progressive rock songs, kind of take you back a little more to the – a little more intricate stuff with time changes, and I get to have some fun. And I cool. did get to play on his a uh, couple little things on his last EP he just put out. So, you were or, I'm sorry, his full length. Um, you were so playing keys, or, or uh, yes, playing yep. keys. yeah, yeah. So, so you go and so you, you mentioned progressive rock. I know you're a big fan of yes. Are you, are you steering him in that direction? Like, uh, no, I let him. I let him do his own thing. He's actually loved that style of music because uh, you know he was forced to listen to it growing up. Right. Of course, <laughs> in my house. He yeah. was probably conceived but, uh, to a Rick Wakeman solo album. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> he's um, you know he's got a variety of, of likes and stuff like that, which is great. Um, you know his favorite band and his first concert that we went to together was Dream Theater. Nice. So he nice. loves wow. that. He's, wow. Yeah, he loves the heavier edge stuff, and um, his first EP was more like that. It was some songs that he wrote. He was probably about seventeen when he wrote those. Um, nice. So he just wanted to kind of put those out and, and get them done and uh, just say, okay, you know, this is something I wrote, this is complete, now I'm going to move on. So his the new recording is a lot more diverse, uh, some different styles on there. It's not a progressive rock thing by any means. Right. Um, we have one instrumental track on there that kind of delves into it a little bit. Um, he decided to make an instrumental. He's like, okay, I want you to play keys. I said, okay, we can do that. <laughs> so it's, it's just fun, you know, yeah. recording with him. Is, it's just, it's a blast and, you know, I get back there and I'll be, I'll just start nitpicking little things in the in the mix and getting sounds and and I don't know if he has the patience for that. He just kind of lets me do my thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think we failed to mention your son's name. If anyone wants to find him, his music online. Well, that where would we... be yeah, that would be Nick Ignafo. Nice. And you can find him. He's all over. He's on Bandcamp. He stuffs on iTunes. Um, it'd be great if you guys could check him out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Spotify. I mean. 
it's, it's, he's everywhere. He's dominating the world at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Awesome. So this is kind of a, an, uh, an open-ended weird question, but what makes a great rock song? We're obviously a rock band. We have no idea what the fuck we're doing, so <laughs> teach us. Oh, boy. Well, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Um, are you looking for huge commercial success? Do you want to be the next uh, Nickelback? Is that what you're going for? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Well, maybe, see, that's, wait, that's a level of success. I am. But, yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Maybe if Nickelback sounded like someone else, yeah, like there uh, you go, and Motorhead, Canadian, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So our deal is we call ourselves the soundtrack to a bar fight. We kind of go for like a uh, Motorhead meets Ramones kind of style. Has Has Jimmy mm-hmm. made you listen to us? I'm sure I've thrown him links at some point, but okay, I've heard, I've definitely heard some things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Absolutely. So, so tell yeah. us what we you know, can be doing better. <laughs> yeah. Tell us <laughs> well, what's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's not even that's a matter of what's wrong or what's right. Um, right. I mean, it just depends on what your goal is. You know, the stuff that my son writes, he's not trying to make it to be this huge commercial success. If it was phenomenal, it's great. But he, you know, I've always approached music from, I'm going to write stuff I like to write, right. stuff I like to play. Yeah. If people like it, fine. You know, I had no dreams of being a, a major rock star or anything like that so for me it was just the, the pleasure of creating something that i enjoyed and hey if people liked it that was cool right but you and, played keys uh, on a smashing pumpkin song or two right yeah yeah just it was some weird stuff though it wasn't yeah. really uh, not my forte that he, he just wanted this really bizarre organ solo which was not you know, he didn't want it to be because, in fact, his exact words were, "Don't play any of that that Wakeman stuff." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just, don't play anything I musical." No time, I had, I'm sorry, I had no time to plan because he just yeah. kind of, you know, said, "I want you to do an organ solo on this." I'm like, "Okay," and he says, "I don't want, I didn't want you to think it out. I just want you to throw something." He says, "Make it really weird, make it really odd." I'm like, "Okay," so that's kind of how that weird solo in Rhinoceros came about. Mm-hmm. It was not something I would normally play, but uh, you know, we just kind of ran through a couple things, and uh, and I tried to make it odd, you know, throwing some weird, um, you know, weird notes and stuff against what he was playing. It was you know, it was in key, but it was not what your typical solo would sound like. Right. And he's like, he's like, yeah, like that. I was like, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> You're the boss. Nice. That's cool. And there's actually, um, it, you can't. I don't even think you can hear it in the final mix, but in the song "I Am One." Mm-hmm. Which is one of the first big ones I recorded with them. Right. Um, I'm actually following his guitar with a with a kind of a grungy Hammond organ sound, but it's so far mixed in it actually sounds like the guitar as well. Hmm. Just huh. kind of all hmm. together in there. Yeah. Wow, that's oh, interesting. That's cool. hmm. Yeah, that's that yeah. was like one of my that's the first, that's the song that got me into Smashing Pumpkins. Love I am the one. Yeah, that was that's legit. Badass. Um Yeah, it was it, it was some cool stuff. I mean, uh it was definitely uh, a really unique, interesting experience. I still say to this day, I've said this in other interviews I've done about them, um, that it's got to be the loudest amp I have ever recorded in my life. <laughs> have mean, you it, met Doug Spencer? Was, Can <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Doug likes to record I mean, it, loud. It, it was just crazy loud. Huh. Who was the, the biggest pain in the ass to record? Ooh. Was Boy, it me? <laughs> Is that why you're, you're, you don't want to answer? No, I, I, we didn't rehearse this. I was supposed to say you, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can fix it in post. Yeah, <laughs> it's Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, there are a few guys that, you know, had a little bit of an ego, I guess you would say. And the, the nice thing about working for myself is I didn't have to put up with it if I didn't want to. Right. So yeah. there was a, I, and I'm not going to call them out, but there was a band or two that I literally had their deposit money sitting when they showed up for their session mm. because if it was going to start out with an attitude, I was going to just hand them their money back and say, you guys need to go somewhere else. But I can only think of one or two occasions. And I've, uh, it's funny, you know, we talk about the bands I've recorded. Mm -hmm. I w actually went through all these DAT tapes because I have them all. I don't get rid of any of that stuff unless the band took them. Um, I've recorded over a thousand different bands over all the years. Damn. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy. And it's not necessarily just a band, but it could be a solo person coming in with a acoustic right. guitar or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was going through them and counting them up. I mean, I have a stack of boxes that are probably, you know, almost five feet tall, and each one has you know got a hundred DAT tapes in it. So there's a lot of stuff in there. Wow, wow, hmm. that's crazy. So uh, all right, forgive my ignorance because uh, I don't really know. But when it when something's on DAT, the ADAT, it can no longer be mixed, right? That's a final mix that would then go to. The yeah, well, the, a, the ADAT is a multi-track format. The, okay. Those can be mixed, but a DAT mm -hmm. tape is those little, they look like a mini yeah. DV tape. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And those, yeah, that's a final mix. It's just like putting it on a CD or a cassette, whatever. Hmm. Um, gotcha. it's, it's, a, it, it's mixed, and that's what it is. Gotcha. Hmm. gotcha. That's what I thought, cool. but I wanted to double-check. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And let me ask you a songwriting question. Like, what is, like what's some common songwrite, um, mistakes you see songwriters make? Um, like either in your experience in, back in the day or, or currently? I think a lot of times guys will fall into, you know, they have their little comfort zone and they're, they get afraid to stray away from that. And then everything starts to sound the same. It's too similar. Um, so there's, there's just not enough variance. It's like, oh, okay, this song kind of sounds like that one. And then it sounds like these other four you already did. Right. Uh, don't be afraid to kind of, huh. you know, to spread out and, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not saying uh, do a, a punk song and then try and do an opera song next to it, although that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. But, like, how important do you find uh, pre-production is to um, uh, recording a band? Um, I really like that part of it, because you've got to get a feel for what someone is, uh, is trying to achieve. And I think it's important. They might, uh, they might even say, well, this is the kind of style we're going for. This is the kind of sound we're going for. Right. Um, you know, we kind of like, we like the drums from this band. We like the guitar tones from this. And it gives you a good direction. Um, gives you a good starting point. So then right. at least I know, okay, this is the kind of thing that they're going for. So then I know how to approach the project just so I can get the, the product that they're looking for. Of course, now I'm fortunate. I don't do bands anymore because I don't have a setup to do that. I just do smaller projects. Right. Um, so I don't do live drums or anything anymore. I just, I don't have the space for it. And I don't have the patience for it. I'll be honest after doing it for 36 years. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair. You know, yeah. like I said, it was fun for a long time and right. it got to the point where it was, it was just getting to be too much. And, uh, so now it, I'm at a good point cause I can pick and choose the things I want to work on and I'll work with, um, a certain singer that, you know, I like this guy. Hey, he's got a good voice. Let's, let's work on a project together, that type of stuff. So being to able to pick and choose, Right, puts yeah. me in a really good spot now. You don't, yeah. You're not just taking any schmuck off the street to keep the lights on. You're, you're doing. It's right, all passion products. Yeah, yep, exactly. Well, thanks a ton, Mark, for for taking the time to speak to us and classing up the joint. We, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. We are absolutely. It was uh, good to talk with you guys. Ride down memory lane. One of these days, I'm going to get one of those old bands back together and call you out of the call you out of retirement to record us for old times' sake. We'll fly you really? somewhere fancy, like Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I think I'm busy that week. But I'll get back to you. <laughs> are you sure? Uh, you could come in the winter. It would be very reminiscent of Chicago. <laughs> uh, Relive your well, old thanks. glory days. <laughs> yeah. All right. Glory days. Yeah. Well, thanks a ton. Uh, well, um, definitely keep in touch, and really appreciate talking to you. Um, it's been fun, and I love you. So we'll talk to you uh, later. Yeah. <laughs> I love all you guys, even yeah. if I haven't met you. I love you guys too. Hey, love Thanks, you too, Mark. Maybe Thanks, we can man. meet sometime. That'll yeah. be fun. Have a, have a nice evening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Sounds great. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. That'll do it for this episode of Idiots with Instruments. I am Jim Tramontana, and I'm reminding you to keep it simple. Doug Spencer, stay hydrated. Andrus Devine, uh, you know, don't do stuff that we don't want you to do. Like what? Uh, play acoustic. Yeah. But for one. I mean, if, if it's, unless it's something you really need to do, like Ryan. Right. Mowat. Yeah. <laughs> Who's a very nice man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. If you can at all avoid it. And a snack. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Don't, don't do things. That <laughs> Ryan Mowat is a snack. <laughs> a snack. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a song on the album. Ryan Mowat is a snack. <laughs> Ryan Mowat is a snack. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> oddly specific. <laughs> yeah. It's going on the, it's going on the whiteboard. It's going Ryan. on the whiteboard. All oh. right. All right. All right, everyone. Have a good time. Bye-bye. Idiots with Instruments is a solid arts and science production. All rights reserved throughout the multiverse. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Visit idiotswithinstruments.com for exclusive bonus material and to support or sponsor this show.